It is the fan check down. I am Donovan Bennett, and we are down to two teams who are fighting for the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Monday, January 29th, the conference championships are behind us. And I think we need to give a, a hug to our friends who are Lions fans. Sorry, everyone in the Windsor Chatham area. Uh, Matt Marchese is not the voice you will be hearing. He'll be back tomorrow, though. Scheduled a rest day for the guy who's normally carrying me for this hour on this show. So it's not a coincidence that he is being filled in for by another guy who carries me on this station. That would be Sho Ali. Uh, probably wearing a Patriots zip-up. Not sure why. It's very comfy. I, I guess that's a, a good reason. They will not be playing uh, two weeks from now, uh, although they they are assembling uh, I mean, You're staff. wearing a Grey Cup halftime show. Like, why also? Because I'm just ready for big-time football show. <laughs> I don't discriminate. I like it. Um, we had a couple really good games uh, yesterday. Um, I thought for sure we were getting two, three seeds in the Super Bowl. I thought, man, those Lions fans are going to take over Las Vegas. And as you know, sometimes life interrupts your viewing. So about halftime of that game, it's okay, time to get the kids down, get them to bed. Then I'm going to come uh, down and, and watch what I assumed to be the Lions you know, running out the clock. Uh, no, sir. I, biggest comeback ever in an NFC championship game. That would be the 17 points that the Niners came back. It was a tale of two halves, but really it was a tale of momentum. We will get into the, the fourth down um, uh, call as well. Um, but, but, you know, first on this edition of the Checkdown, which is presented by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. I will say, uh, if you were uh, betting on that game, either side, you had a roller coaster of emotions. People like to say momentum is not a real thing. Mm -hmm. That's true. It does not uh, exist. Uh, I think last night was a lesson that's not true. What was your biggest takeaway of the two very different but distinct games that we saw in half one, half two of that NFC Championship game. Yeah, momentum is absolutely a real thing. I've had this conversation many times in, I feel like in every sport you can have this conversation, like in basketball, and people say basketball is a game of runs, and in baseball when a team is down by by eight, nine runs and comes back and halts the momentum of the other team, and in football as well, we definitely saw it. And it's it, it wasn't, I don't think it's as simple as saying, oh, Dan Campbell had the Lions go for two fourth down calls didn't work out on either of them. Therefore, the momentum shifted. A lot of things went wrong, and it wasn't just the fourth down uh, conversions that did not go the Lions' way, but momentum has got to be a real thing. Like It's a real psychological experience that, that players, athletes go through when they are on the field, and I think we saw it. I mean, Ayuk and George Kittle and certainly Christian McCaffrey and, heck, even Brock Purdy 
all of them made plays in the second half that they weren't making. And uh, you can also just chalk it up to maybe they just made some adjustments. That's a big, it's a big uh, talking point people talk about when they have football discussions. So what were the adjustments made at the half? So they clearly made some adjustments, but I mean, how many adjustments Donovan can account for a ball clanking off the face mask of a Detroit DB and then landing in the hands of Brandon Ayuk? Like that, that's not, that's not an adjustment. It's just sometimes those things happen. I think that was the biggest play of the game. That was incredible. It, it, multiple ways in terms of the win probability before and after, or just, in fact, when the ball was in the air. I am the momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher guy. Like, that's, you know, something that I would say is a cliche that I believe to be true. But I do believe, unlike in baseball where... It is a very transactional sport. Okay. You know, you have a pitcher. He has to throw a pitch to a batter. Umpire has to make a choice. Like, there are, there are so many individual things going on. Football certainly have plays and you have adjustments and whatnot, but the emotion of what is going on is going to change how you do things. And so this is the struggle that I have with the analytics community, the truthers. And I should be clear, I'm not anti-analytics. I find myself firmly in the middle, which means I have no friends because essentially if you go online during a big football game, you have to be totally, this is what next-gen stats says to do in this moment. Or you have to be old-school football guy. That's very true. Throw the numbers out and just do it. I don't don't care what the the card says. You can't sit on the fence. But I do, no, I do sit on the fence because to your point, this is a game played by humans. And the emotion matters. What's going on in terms of how loud it is, what the crowd is doing matters. I think we saw that in both games in different ways. And I think this is a game about emotion, but it's also about execution. But your emotion is going to impact your execution. If you have been stoned running the ball, you know, time and time and time again, Running back's going to run into that hole thinking like, uh, like, will there be a hole there? Or am I going to have to bounce this outside? Like you are automatically saying things into your head because of, you know, it's fight or flight. What has happened and what you might want to do. And, and that's where I struggle with this game because Dan Campbell is being roasted online for being Dan Campbell. He decided he was not going to go for points in the form of a field goal Mm -hmm. on a fourth and two and a fourth and three. And people said, man, tie the game, take the points. You're playing with fire. You're playing with your food. You have to, you have to take the field goal, stop the bleeding with that momentum in the second half and really third quarter. And, the analytics community is saying no. Actually, it's it's you know favorable, if not fifty fifty, to go for it in those scenarios. Right. I promise you, Dan Campbell is not thinking of analytics. No. He, he was thinking of the culture. He has said his feelings about going for it in big spots has nothing to do with numbers. It has everything to do with what it was like when he stood beside Sean Payton, and Sean Payton would routinely go for it when he was an assistant with the New Orleans Saints. Sean he, Payton opened the second half of a Super Bowl with an onside kick. Correct. Like, come on. And he said the defense would be so 
fearful when they would go for it. And I think ultimately the right decision is whatever your opposition does not want you to do. Right. You mentioned Sean Payton going for an onside kick, which was predetermined. Bill Parcells told Sean Payton, you're going to have to make a big play. You're going to have to steal a possession because you're the underdog. Like if you just play this straight, that team is going to beat you. You have to put things in your favor. And coming with that is some momentum, some emotion. And so if I had an issue with Dan Campbell, it's actually not him going for it on fourth down. It's not the play call of Ben Johnson, who probably will be the Washington commander's coach in the next 48 some odd hours, because the play calls ultimately worked. You hit Reynolds, he dropped the ball. You can't come up with a play call. That's not going to make Jared Goff useless when he has to move more than three inches, which was the case on on another big spot. My issue was if you're going to go for it in those spots, keep the same energy at the end of the first half, yeah, three yards to go with a chance to punch it in. Yes, clock is against you. Go for it in that scenario. You have a kicker who is not automatic in those second half scenarios. And yes, is automatic when you're kicking essentially an extra point on the shadow of your goalposts. But to me, going into the half, sending a statement of like, this game is pretty much over would have brought you that momentum through the 15-minute intermission into the second half. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I, I'm, I'm surprised, given his propensity to go forward on fourth down, that's where he decided to not go forward. I, I actually I don't even really have an issue with them going forward on the fourth downs because of what you said. It's probably, at best, a 50-50 shot either way, given the struggles of the field goal kicker up until that point. But you mentioned it. A few key drops from Josh Reynolds in key moments, one of which was on fourth down. Uh, the other one was on third down, but would have easily picked. He just dropped, hit him right in the chest, and he dropped the ball on third down. A Gibbs fumble immediately after Ayuk catches the ball, or a couple plays after Ayuk catches the ball. Gibbs fumbles on the very first play of the next drive. It just it was not great all around from the Lions in the second half. So I agree with you. The 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 blame does not solely lie on Dan Campbell. Where I will blame Dan Campbell, though, Donovan, beyond the end of the first half, is the end of the game, the very end of the game. Oh, yeah. the, the, the team is going for it. They're down there. They're not going for the kick. They're down by 10 points. They've decided clearly they're not going to kick the ball early and then try and get the ball back and score a touchdown. They're going to score the touchdown first, which I don't have a huge issue with. you you got to score both at some point to win. So they're going for the TD. They're taking up a ton of time. And then with, they have three timeouts left. And then with about a minute, they run the ball and then call a timeout. I just, that essentially guaranteed they had to go for an onside kick because they only had two timeouts. If they had three timeouts, they could have just, I mean, maybe they wouldn't have worked out. Who knows? But they could have, in theory, punted the ball apart, pardon me, did the regular kickoff and then just try and stop the the 49ers on three downs and see what you got with with the last play. That That, to me, was indefensible. Agreed. And here's the thing. I don't have an issue with you running it, you know, in a goal-to-go scenario because Montgomery scored in the second possession of the game in a very similar scenario. Uh, Their offensive line is one of the strengths of their team. Having said that, if you're going to run it, run it on fourth down. Right. Because at that point, if you don't get it, it literally doesn't matter. The time doesn't matter because the game's over. But if if it's all about conserving time, to your point, then throw it and try to score. And then if you want to have a run, run it on fourth down. Now, some would say, well, then, you know, 
the defense would know that you're running on fourth. You don't have to run it on fourth down. Just don't run it before fourth down yeah. because the time that would come off the clock if you don't get it no longer matters on fourth down because you don't have the ball anymore. And essentially, the game would, would be over. It was at, like the, the anti-Seahawks. It's it like the, an, the anti-Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> it literally was. And But in terms of momentum and playing the percentages, I think what he saw was, oh, wow, we can't stop their offense. So we can't settle for threes. We need sevens. The 49ers scored 27 unanswered points. I think ultimately what his calculus was, forget about tying the game right now with this three. This this scoreline is not staying at this point. Yeah. So I need to get more points on more points on more points. But for those who said, oh, man, Dan Campbell's you know, job is in jeopardy. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no chance. If they don't go for it on fourth down, and by the way, they led the league by a wide margin on points on drives where – they went for it and converted a fourth down. So it, it, they led the league in the regular season, and then they led their league during the postseason. Literally, they got there because of his aggressive nature. So I don't really understand how Dan Campbell was a media darling 72 hours ago, and, oh, man, he goes for it, and he play, throws caution to the wind, and that's why his players love him. And then he went for it, and his players ultimately let him down. And now we are flipping the script on him. Like, this is the Dan Campbell experience. You 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 can't say, "Well, I want Dan Campbell. I don't I don't want you to be aggressive." Like, no, no, that's who he is. That's like saying, "All right, man, Usher, you're going to do Super Bowl halftime, but guess what? You can't dance. Just stand stationary, <laughs> Usher Raymond. Hey, you know what? On, on the Vegas Strip, we're going to go see uh, John Legend's residency. No piano, John." Just stand there and say, this is who he is. This is part of the experience. So you got to love it holistically, the entire thing, or you don't love anything. They, they lost the game because of the execution. Six of 12 on third down, one of three on fourth down. And again, we could pick whatever play, but let's say the drop to Reynolds. If you, we freeze-framed that play when the ball was, let's say, three feet from him. Sure. And then we pulled the room. Anybody have an issue with him going for it right now? The consensus would be, great call. Great call. <laughs> That's what we like. But, but of course, we're playing the results, which obviously you can't do. If coaches knew how plays would result, then, like, we wouldn't need coaches. Yeah, like, yeah. That, the, the whole point is to make a calculated guess. And even if it is the most optimal, this is going to work out 70% of the time, 75% of the time. There's still 25% of the time where it's not going to work out. So for anyone who's crushing math, essentially, and saying, oh, the analytics. Well, the analytics tell you how often it's likely going to happen. They don't say, hey, in a huge spot with lots of emotion against a really good opponent, it's going to work 100% of the time. That's not really – that's not how sports works. No, it's not. It's it's really not. And that's why I, I – I'm not absolving Dan Campbell of a whole lot of things, but I do think it will – as much as he probably will wear it because he is so outspoken and because of the, the press conference that landed him in Detroit and the kneecaps and all those things like those things have for better or for worse defined his coaching career, his head coaching career, I should say, which is why people are always going to come back to that. But I do agree with you. It's not, it's not fair for it all to fall on him. Like we said, Reynolds and Gibbs and heck even Jamison Williams, Jamison Williams, who hasn't been used all year. He scores a terrific touchdown to start the game and then has a Jared Koff 
cookie fall through his fingers, essentially, which would have also probably helped to ice this game at some point. Like an absolute frozen rope right through his hand. So I don't know. It's just it's unfortunate that the fourth down calls did not work out because, hey, maybe they get that fourth down to Reynolds and Badgley misses the kick anyways. Then you're not crushing Dan Campbell for uh, not going on fourth down. Maybe you're crushing for it for not going for it again on fourth down, for example, if if he had gone to Badgley, who had generally speaking not been super reliable, right? And I think Riley Patterson, I think, was he cut earlier this year? It's just like there, there hasn't been a lot of great great storylines out of the Lions kicking game. So I'm sure that also informed his decision-making beyond the analytics. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't blame too much uh, Dan Campbell too much. And, yeah, there's no chance, Donovan, he's getting fired. No, like, there's a 0% chance he's not that Lions head coach for the next, like, five years. So I, I did a essay on the Lions and their fans and this moment they're having. And I said, you know, they haven't even had the ability to, you know, have the drive against them like the Browns or the wide right and wide right 2.0 and 13 seconds. Sorry to pile on Bills fans as the Bills fans. They haven't had that heartbreak moment. Congrats, Lions fans. Now you have that heartbreak moment. I don't know what the the single play that will be the defining play, the chapter of the documentary. Like, question, is, actually. Is, it, is it the face mask ricochet? Is that probably it? it probably is what it is. Yeah. But the emasculate catch. The emasculate catch, yeah. Um, but yeah, now this is this is what it's like to be relevant, Lions fans. I will say there you know, listen, sixty-six consecutive seasons without a championship, second longest drought. Uh, I get it. Like you, you have a longer drought than essentially the history of the league. I, I get it. A largest blown, blown lead in franchise history, not ideal. But it, let's Let's walk and run, shall we? There's, you, you won 14 games, including playoffs, most in a season in franchise history. Mo- won multiple playoff games for the first time since 1957. Uh, hosted multiple uh, playoff games for the first time in franchise history. They, they broke a streak of nine consecutive playoff losses. And outside of... The Kansas City Chiefs and you know essentially making the AFC Championship game the Patrick Mahomes Invitational. If you had to ask me which one of the three other franchises would be back here a year from now, I would lay my money on the Detroit Lions. Over the Chiefs and... No, no, aside from the Chiefs. Oh, aside from I, the Chiefs. I see, I see. I have okay. one rule, whether I'm, I'm betting with our friends from ProLine or, or just... With friends, is you don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't happen. Okay, so Ravens, Lions, 49ers. I would say that the Lions are the most likely right. team to be back here a year from now. They're they're so young and ahead of schedule. They they're they're going to get Jared Goff on a somewhat you know relatively team friendly contract. Jameer Gibbs is you know I mean just watch him in that game. Like he he looked like you know a JV version of Christian McCaffrey. Monroe St. Brown is a true number one. Jameson Williams hasn't played consistently, but he showed us flashes with two great touchdowns in that game. Panay Sewell essentially stoned Nick Bosa for that game. All of his pressures came when he was away from Panay Sewell. Laporta on one leg went for nine and 97. I just think Aiden Hutchinson. Great player. If you want a defensive end, go to the Big Ten. He's really, really strong. So I, well, you can't I, anymore, I guess, right? Why? 
Because the Big Ten is like 25 teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's saying half the NCAA. Yeah, if you want a defensive end, go to the, the Big Ten or the SEC because there are like 50 combined schools in those <laughs> two conferences. Uh, I, I think Dan Campbell and this Lions team is going to be back. But he said a post-game, right? This is what happens when you have prosperity. It's going to be tough to be as hungry to get back to the spot. They're going to play a tougher schedule next year as they're now playing a number one division winning schedule they're not going to sneak up on anybody for sure and they're going to lose one maybe two um coordinators uh because of how good they're they've been so um lions fans i know this hurts but you know when you have some distance from it you are going to be proud of of what your team did and listen you got to get to this level and stumble a bit and then break through unless you're the chiefs that brings me to the 49ers, who after being to the Super Bowl and losing to the Chiefs, they went to two straight NFC Championship games, didn't get it done, lost to the Rams and the Eagles, only to get through the Lions. Biggest difference between that Super Bowl team a couple of years ago that lost to Patrick Mahomes and this one was Brock Purdy. Speaking of binary conversations where there is no gray area or nuance, and you know the, the Purdy camps were just fighting back and forth uh, last night, he is, you know, the NFL's Rorschach test where everyone looks at him and you might see <laughs> different things. It's true. And and I felt like whether it was all week or the first half of that game, the second half of the game, the, the Purdy sides of the aisle were arguing not even at each other but past each other. Like they're arguing different things. And so, you know, people were saying, oh, well, listen, this is why. Can't we just accept Brock Purdy for who he is? Do we have to compare him to other people, you know, and say that he's he sucks? Well, I, I don't think anyone's saying Brock Purdy sucks. But the other side is, this is why Brock Purdy deserves to be considered one of the elite quarterbacks. And it's like, well, I mean, like, I know he technically just completed pass for 51 yards, but he also hit a defender in the face with the ball. <laughs> and he's not a game manager. Like, he's spinning and throwing on the run. Like, I guess he's not a game manager. Uh He's a game director, sure. I suppose. Yeah, sure. Game executive. But we, we can't say that we watched Patrick Mahomes in game one and Brock Purdy in game two, that they are the same things. Even though Brock Purdy has more MVP votes than Patrick Mahomes. So, again, I guess I'm, you know, nuanced Nancy. I'm just right in the middle. I, 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 not that fence, <laughs> I guess. Listen, it, it wasn't an amazing performance from him throwing the ball. He wasn't the most accurate. I, I think ultimately Brock Purdy won that game with his legs. He did, yeah. He scrambled for six first downs. But he, I will say this. He doesn't shrink to the moment. He lives up to it and gets bigger in it. This is Purdy against number one overall QBs okay. in his career. So Jared Goff being one of them, obviously. Sure. It's 5-1 and one in those six games. 12 TDs, 3 TDs. Those QBs against Mr. Irrelevant, 6 TDs, 7 INTs. I think when he's in a big spot, he plays his best football. There's no bigger spot than the Super Bowl. Uh, I was really impressed with his performance and at the same time really annoyed that now I'm going to have two weeks of pro-purdy, con-purdy discourse on what was formerly known as the Bird app. Would you make a Purdy's performance? I agree with you. His uh, His... Play on the ground was very impressive, scrambling for some huge first downs, including I think he got all the way down to like the five yard line at one point. He was he was he was really uh, busting it down there. 
Uh, I also agree that he cannot he cannot do the same things in the passing game against the Chiefs that he did against the Lions because he did make a fair few mistakes. He missed a number of throws. And as we know, the Chiefs' pass defense is uh, very good, but the Chiefs' uh, run defense, not so much. So I got to think you will see a healthy dose of Christian McCaffrey uh, again Super Bowl Sunday. But yeah, hey, Brock Purdy is who he is, man. I think he he does benefit from a lot of things, but he also is great making pre-snap reads and he does manage to move around his offense the way he likes. Uh, I, I will say... Your stat of Mr. Brock Purdy against uh, number one quarterbacks probably bodes well for Patrick Mahomes, given that he was not taken number right. one overall. So maybe the Chiefs are like, oh, thank, thank God Mahomes went 10th overall or whatever it ended That's up being. Right. It, it, no question. I, I love the comparison to Mahomes, and we're going to get it. All the time. Uh, every all, every all day for the next two weeks. Yeah. Mr. Relevant versus Baby Goat. Right. Like, that's the, the story that we're going to hear. We as much as I wanted the Lions to be there, I thought that would be cool. Like, it, there is no real great, sexy QB comparison between Goff and Mahomes. I, I will say this, though. There are some similarities, and we're going to break uh, into and break down the AFC Championship game uh, after the break. There is comparison to me for Purdy and Mahomes. It's that game speed is real. Right, so they did not test at the combine same level as a Lamar Jackson, for example, or an Anthony Richardson. But I've never seen either of them caught from behind. Like the, the goal to go is name yardage, nine yards. Somehow they get nine point five or true. 10. every time, every single time, and it's like the most bizarre thing to watch. You probably have seen this with your you know nieces or nephews i know my kids are like this where they'll be like running on the couch mm -hmm. and the couch cushions aren't the most stable and everyone's like oh hey what what and like they just like <laughs> you know high turnover just speed across and they make it to the other side without like a huge disaster falling on the face and everyone's like oh. like that's whenever patrick mahomes or brock purdy tuck it to run it's like you know when i give my kid my iPhone to just like distract them for five minutes because I, I need to do something and then they take off and run with it and I'm like ah, don't drop it or throw it or hit yourself in the face with it and it's like they somehow managed to get to the other side of the room Kyler Murray is the session. king of that he's the he is the he is the the undisputed king of looking like specifically looking like a toddler like that's just stolen someone's phone yes but the thing is he's actually fast yes he is like, he's legit fast <laughs> yes. somehow Daniel Jones also very fast shockingly yes just yeah just, not so much Purdy and Mahomes just true. too fast for himself and falls down without being touched but yeah we're, we're gonna get the annoying how did that guy just get a first down when we had everything covered and three people chasing him with good pursuit angles? Uh, we're going to get that, like, drive after drive. It's just going to be fans exasperated at their defense. And then the shot to, like, defensive coordinator, like, kneeling, hands on knees, just and then they just slap their knees, throw their play sheet, and pull down the, the headset and start screaming at somebody. Yeah, get ready for that. In, in slow motion, thanks to NFL Films, as we will get that in Las Vegas. Uh, Super Bowl this year is in Alliance Stadium in Vegas. And just a random thought before we take a break and uh, break down, essentially, Taylor Swift's flight plans for the next two weeks. 
So you remember the Olympics? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Salt Lake City? The ice was being prepared. There's a little. Was a loony, toony below the ice, and that just became a thing. And Canadians would, would try to do that. There was, there was one underneath, you know, a court when Canada basketball was playing. Just now sure. a thing because yeah, yeah. you know Gretzky did it when he was executive hockey Canada. <laughs> did you know that there was a Chiefs fan? was part of the construction crew in Las Vegas uh, when Alliance Stadium was being built. And he put a Chiefs flag underneath really? underneath the ground. That's really funny. Yeah, and so now the Chiefs <laughs> are back there in a Super Bowl That's pretty great. before the Raiders are in a Super Bowl in their new stadium. So uh, we'll it's see. Good for that guy. Uh, well, That's good a- good for that guy. He, he, he made it out of Vegas. I was alive saying, not, that, getting, but, not getting caught. No, but the thing is... At the time when the stadium was being built, the Raiders were not yet actually in Vegas. So they were still the Oakland Raiders. So I don't know how much fanfare the Raiders had in Vegas at the time. And if other members of the crew had been like, hey, man, you're disrespecting my team because their team wasn't there yet. But I also don't know if the locals in Las Vegas are Raiders fans. I feel like it's a very transient fan base that comes in town on a Sunday or a Monday and then then leaves. Uh, We will break down. All things Alliance Stadium construction. And more importantly, the AFC Championship game. After the break, you are listening to Fan Checkdown, which is presented by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Don and Bennett, Show Ali. Stay with us. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Checkdown, which is presented by Pro One Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits. Go back to Ontario. I was really impressed with Patrick Mahomes because I think his genius is he'll take the profits. Like, unlike Lamar Jackson in the AFC Championship game where Mm. as the game went on, he started to get antsy, started to force the ball down the field. I felt like Mahomes, who was on fire to start the game, was... What a throw to Kelsey. 10 for 10, yeah. Uh, What a catch. Um, Mahomes was just managing the game. It was a very Brady-esque performance other than the, the scrambling and the fighting with the kicker pregame. It, <laughs> that was it, pretty funny, actually. It, it was very funny. And I sighed. It, people were like, oh, he's being petty. But I'm like, no, there are two sides of the field. You could stretch anywhere. And what purpose does it serve to line up your kicks on the goal line? Yeah. like No kicker is kicking from the goal line. Yeah, like yeah. The, <laughs> especially not a place kicker. No. So he was like Justin Tucker. I say I love Justin Tucker. I do. He was uh, he was disturbing some bleep. You, you know he, he was, was disturbing the peace. Yeah, he was. And I'm not talking about a ludicrous uh, recording album. It, and also don't like don't poke the bear. Uh, how about <laughs> I know it's your number one seed, your big favorite, but uh, it would have been so much worse if he had like if it had come down to a big Justin Tucker kick and he missed it. Thank God he didn't. Because yes. if he did, that you would have never heard the end of it. No, no. Uh, but uh, if you come for the king, you best not miss. And what a run Mahomes and the Chiefs are on in the freezing cold against Tua and Tyreek 
and that explosive offense, like, peace, done. The game was close. Gets the Bills in Buffalo. You wanted us to come to Highmark? You got your wish. The game was closer than I think the actual um, the, the scoreline should have been. And then number one overall seed, finally hosting an AFC championship game for the first time in Ravens history. Lamar about to be crowned the MVP. Triple crown defense, best in all categories. Best DVO since, you know, the perfect Patriots. And Mahomes like, yeah, slight work for me. I believe not only he's the best player of this era, this generation, he is already putting together a Brady-esque resume. And I believe that he is this generation's Jordan or LeBron. You, sure. You, you choose which you prefer yeah. in terms of that roadblock where it's not even about his career or his legacy. It's all the other great quarterbacks that got caught up in the wake. Mm-hmm. People are comparing Josh Allen to, oh, he's the Peyton Manning to Mahomes Brady. No, like he's a Sean Kemp to Mahomes Jordan. And I guess Lamar is the Charles Barkley <laughs> or you know, Byron Russell. Like I, I, I think we are going to look at this era entirely different. There's so many great quarterbacks in the AFC. Trevor Lawrence hasn't even had a sniff. Herbert hasn't had a meaningful playoff moment. And it's, it's 28 years old, and all he does is go to AFC Championship games and or Super Bowls. Yeah, hey, Mahomes has been a lot of fun to watch. The Chiefs, it's large part because of Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of the Patriots, have the, to me, the like that borderline invincible aura that the Patriots did for so long, right? Where other teams were so afraid of making mistakes, they often outthought themselves and would just beat them, beat themselves and do dumb things, like uncharacteristically dumb things. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter that the Chiefs don't have a real perimeter threat. doesn't matter that Travis Kelsey looked like he was done for most of the season. It, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, as long as you have the QB to, to negate basically all other defensive matchups, you can do pretty much whatever you want. They, they looked great. Mahomes is great, too. I, it's true, though, on, on Mahomes' career, no matter what happens in a couple of weeks— Mahomes is no longer being compared. Maybe maybe this was already the case after he won the Super Bowl last year. But uh, Donovan, he's no longer being compared to his peers, right? He's only he's only at this point being compared to guys who are retired. Essentially, he's only he's only being compared to Brady and Peyton and Joe Montana and all these different guys who've all won multiple rings. Essentially, so. I, I think that's a pretty incredible place to be before the end of your sixth season, which win or loss is going to end in a trip to the Super Bowl. That's absolutely incredible. Like the only person, really, for me, he's being compared to is Tom Brady, even though he hasn't caught Joe Montana yet. He's only, he's only really doing things that Brady has ever done. He's doing some things Brady has never done, quite frankly. So he's got 17 postseason games under his belt already, the age of 28. Essentially, 17 games is a full season, right? It's a big enough yeah. sample size. He's won 14 of those games. If we just looked at great regular season teams, since Mahomes entered the league, only four teams have won 14 regular season games, the 2019 Ravens, the 2022 Eagles, and the 2022 Chiefs. He's having a great regular season in the postseason for his career. 
13 and 1 in regulation, 2 and 0 on the road, 3 and 0 as an underdog. He will be an underdog again in the postseason. Have we learned our lesson by now? Come on. Evidently not. Evidently not. And, and we will get into our our pro line pick uh, at, at the end of the show in terms of who we think will win the Super Bowl early, but 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 the line is out. He's the all-time leader in terms of postseason. Yards per game, passer rating, completion percentage, TDD interception ratio. I don't know. Just all of the stats that matter for a quarterback. And I, I actually think for the rest of the QBs, and you know, Burrow was hurt. He's, he's the only one who's really beaten him outside of Brady. Uh, but the only active player that's beaten him in, in the postseason. I think it gets worse, not better, for these other QBs chasing him. Because I think... Yesterday was a narrative legacy game. It was a game that both QBs knew. This is going to be a chapter in the memoir, an edit in the documentary, right? If we're thinking the last dance, we're interviewing three, four people about this game. Patrick Mahomes knows that, like, in his documentary, this game is at, like, minute 55. (laughs) For... Lamar Jackson's, this is the documentary. Like, you win the game, then you get the documentary. Right, right. And I felt it was palpable watching the pressure that Lamar Jackson felt, the players felt, the fans felt. And if you got down early, which is the case, that they would be playing the narrative more so the game. Which is why I think this is going to get worse before it gets better. Because Patrick Mahomes, if he decided he wanted to pull a Barry Sanders and retire... After his next game, he is an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer. No question. Sure. If he wants to go Jim Brown and act and leave in his prime after winning the Super Bowl, Hall of Famer. So anything he does, there's no pressure. He's just adding, stacking Pringles on Pringles on Pringles on his legacy. Where for all these other quarterbacks, they're trying to create their legacy and then trying to catch up to the living goat. I felt like you saw a player play loose and free mm-hmm. and thus never changed at the big moments. And I think you saw a player and a team in Lamar Jackson who they felt they needed to prove the right to be great and thus they were less than great. I actually feel like with Lamar Jackson and, and Todd Munkin's game plan that it, it almost felt like they were trying, to your point, prove that he could drop back and carve defenses up instead of only being, or not only, but largely being a run-heavy team and Lamar with the designed runs and the RPOs and going to Gus Edwards and going to Justice Hill and even running it with Zay Flowers and all these different guys. It, it just felt like they were, in, in fact, trying to prove to everyone, maybe even a little bit to themselves, that Lamar Jackson can do all the things that Patrick Mahomes can do, albeit in different ways, and... It just—it was so bizarre to me, Donovan, because they—they they, it almost felt like they—they they made the whole game plan for the Ravens look so frantic. Every single play looked frantic from Lamar Jackson. It's—it's it's almost as if they just forgot what made this guy the MVP of the regular season. Like they—they they went away from everything that made Lamar Jackson successful and had him drop back a billion times. It just—it was so bizarre because. You don't need to play like Patrick Mahomes to be successful. Lamar Jackson just proved that over an entire season, and then he just took away all the things that helped him be great, and he looked awful. Like, we're talking about uh, uh, legacy games. 
Gosh, like Lamar Jackson is not beating the Ravens are frauds and he's not he's a not a running back thing. He's not going to beat those allegations for casual fans for at least another year. No, and you saw him throw his helmet. You you could tell he knew. He knew. Exactly what yeah. was coming, what was going to happen, how frustrated he was and he was consoled by Odell Beckham Jr. on the bench after the game is he's quite emotional, but the there are a couple, you know, Big play, going to be in the NFL game day sound up pack afterwards plays from him that is like, oh, this is going to be the, this is going to be the play that they interview people about, but they were off script. He almost took a massive sack, shrugged off George Kalaftis and heaved it down the field to uh, flowers for a touchdown. Big play, got them back in the game, seven, seven. And then he has a ball pinball up in the air and beats defenders to it, catches it and says, well, hold my beer, Giselle Bunchen. Evidently, a quarterback can throw the ball <laughs> that was crazy. to himself. It was, was crazy. That was really cool. <laughs> and it was cool. But it wasn't like how you would script a play. No. Uh, they, they didn't practice that all week. Nothing that they did was clean, to your point. Yeah. It was always frantic. And the one clean play that they executed, they didn't finish because Zay Flowers reached for the goal line <laughs> and fumbled it. And, you know, that was ball game. He did not learn the lesson that McCole Hardman taught us a week ago. A week ago, yeah. And, and you mentioned the the point of proving it. It seemed like they were trying to prove this MVP is different. Yeah. He was a number one seed before, but that was a running quarterback. But now he throws the ball just like his <laughs> opponent, Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson, the sequel. Like, no, just win the game. Do you know how many early down, first down runs, the Baltimore Ravens running team against... Very good Chiefs defense, but one who ranked 28th against the run. After you just watched the film of the Buffalo Bills have success running it and then stop running it. Do you know how many early down runs the Baltimore Ravens had in the entire football game? Take a wild guess. Uh, I do know that running backs, I know that Justin Justice Hill and Gus Edwards combined got six carries. So it cannot be that all that. Your answer cannot all be all that high. <laughs> Three. Three. That's awful. Three times on oh first down, they ran the ball. And almost they gained 17 yards. That's like horrible. they were actually quite efficient over five yards to carry. Lar wasn't terrible. He was 20 of 37. Ultimately, that's not great. There were lots of reasons why they lost. But people are not going to read through the fine print of this at the end of the day, it's going to be the Ravens are number one seed for the second time in Lamar Jackson's career. Lamar Jackson wins an MVP for the second time in his career. Lamar Jackson has never reached a Super Bowl. That's the end. Those are the Coles notes, folks. You don't, (laughs) you don't have to watch the, the all 22 film. Like that's it. And so the conversation is, well, if not, now than when and it does kind of feel like they had this was might have been their best shot knowing that mike mcdonald's probably gonna be like the seahawks head coach and also 48 hours or so yes. uh, it probably feels like this was their best chance to uh to get to that promised land there odell beckham jr probably not coming back at least not on the money that he was paid this year joe burrow probably gonna be healthy so it's not even a guarantee that you win your yeah. own very difficult division deshaun watson Probably going to be healthy. That probably hurts the Browns, not helps them. But they get they get Chubb back, so you know that helps them certainly. Yeah, it it, it felt like 
you know, when when Flowers reached out for the goal line and, and let the ball go, it felt like they let the Lombardi go in that moment. Can I just well. really quickly on Flowers, Donovan, say he should not have he should not have committed the taunting penalty. It's against the rules. I also think taunting Thanks, penalties. Dad. I think, but I think they're dumb. I think taunting penalties are stupid. They should just like not exist, honestly. Unless you like really, unless you can prove you said something like he he said something you know like really really out, out of bounds, for example. Then I guess I suppose, but it just seemed like for what he did, for for what he did, he he get his ankle being grabbed goes up and flexes, which basically every player does. I just. I don't know. It just seems kind of like a, a weird stance to make such a harsh rule and penalty on. Ulti- ultimately, it didn't really matter because Zay Flowers was the one who got them back down to the goal line anyway. So, uh, you know, whatever. But taunting penalties are stupid. They should just do away with them. You know what? I'm not mad at that take. Like the whole, oh, it's a bad lesson for right. the kids. Like, like, come on. You know what? The, the kids are going to do whatever the Someone kids want Someone think of the children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, come they're, on. They're professionals. <laughs> let, let, let them live. Uh, quickly before we get into picking the game, I, I need a prediction from you. And that is, will T-Swift be in the house for Super Bowl? <laughs> like, this was the immediate conversation. Everyone, check her concert schedule. Oh, my goodness. She's got... She's in uh, Tokyo. She's yeah. going to be in Tokyo. But then right after that, on the 16th, she's going to be in Australia. Will it work? So, evidently, because this is what we do on the internet, she's got the concert the night before the Super Bowl. It will end around 10 p.m. Tokyo time. That's 5 a.m. Las Vegas time. The flight from Tokyo to Vegas is 12 hours, meaning Swift can arrive at 5 p.m. local on the day before the Super Bowl, if she wants. That's 25 hours, 35 minutes before kickoff, and she can easily make Super Bowl 38. People have looked at flights and said, oh, actually, you know what, with 16 hours to Vegas, she could get there, you know, before the 328 kickoff at at 8 a.m. Thank you. As as uh, you know, techno producer Lance says in my ear, she has a private jet. Like she she's not <laughs> she can go anywhere she wants. Yeah, it's she, true. She's not flying jet blue. Like she's she's gonna be okay. <laughs> the next get ready for it. The next debate will be the carbon emissions. How dare Taylor Swift? <laughs> how dare that. you? Like get ready. We have two weeks. We are gonna dissect this. I'm saying to you before we get to actual uh things that matter. There's a better chance that Taylor Swift is in Las Vegas than Kadarius Tony is in Las Vegas. Very she true. Will be there. So probably propose to him on stage after the game, and Jim Nance will officiate the wedding, and Tony Romo will be the ring boy. All I know is that one, I want Taylor Swift to drop a, a secret single the Saturday before the Super Bowl. That's all I've ever wanted in life, really, for the next two weeks. It's my greatest desire. And two, uh, what are the chances that she's doing an encore for the Tokyo crowd? That night, like she's like, no, sorry, we're done. Yeah. Got to get to the plane. The plane's fuel and standing by. We're out of here. Have a great night, Tokyo. We're out. I feel like that's very likely. Yeah, I would, I would love to see it. And, and listen, everything she did post game like was on the internet immediately yes, with like, captions. So yeah, we will definitely have the play by play for that. Uh, we will also have for you our predictions. It's time for Bet Slip, brought to you by Proline Plus, the only sports book where 100 percent of the profits go back to Ontario. That was. Uh, so the line is out. Start at two and a half. It is now one and a half for the Niners. I mentioned it. Listen, give me Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. I don't care what the number was for you. Early, but as of right now, Chiefs or Niners? I, you know what? I'm taking the Chiefs. I got it. I, I actually have been betting against the Chiefs the entire season. Like, basically, it, it, it's largely Donovan because Why? Travis Kelsey is on like my fantasy money? team, and he has screwed me, so I needed, I needed to get something out of it. Bets? Yeah, I needed something out of this relationship that is only a very one-sided relationship, I should say. But, uh, yeah, I've been betting against them, taking the other team against the spread, and actually, it, it, especially against the uh, Dolphins, 
and against the Bills and against the uh, the the uh, Ravens as well. It's worked out, but I I think this time I'm taking the Chiefs straight up. Chiefs, whatever the Chiefs money line is, I've learned my lesson. I'm just taking Patrick Mahomes. Wise man, uh, Mahomes in the playoffs three and zero as an underdog. I think he makes it four early, but I'm going Chiefs. I'm not even going Chiefs. I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Right. That was bet slip brought to you by Proline Plus, the only sports book where 100 percent of the profits go back. To Ontario. Speaking of Proline, we are going to be live at Real Sports Ooh. tomorrow uh, talking about this game with Matt Marchese. So thanks to the folks at Proline for putting us up. We love to do live airs on the station. That's really why Marchese is not here. Why he's he, he needed a rest up for tomorrow. <laughs> That's really why he's not here. That, that was uh, week 17 where we're just resting him exactly, for the big game. Exactly. That's right. Well, we'll be there. We'd love to see you there. Make sure you listen. Uh, this has been fun. This has been the fan check down with Donovan Bennett and Show Ali. We'll talk to you next time.